Today's part three of this five-part series looking at the idea of being an emotionally healthy church as a whole body, a family together, and as individuals as well. And uh, we've contrasted it already with the idea of how we engage with physical health. Physical health and emotional health. And physical health, of course, is something we find it easy and normal to talk about. If you went to your office or your university or you saw your friends tomorrow and you said, I'm going to get fit, nobody would think that's weird. Or if you said, I've signed up to run a 5K and I'm going to train for it and then I'm going to run that uh, five kilometre distance. That's not an odd thing to say. Um, But emotional health and mental health as a subject is not something that we particularly talk about well as a society or even within the church. So in part that's something we wanted to uh, improve on by looking at this series. And just like physical fitness can be uh, improved by joining a club if you wanted to learn how to climb rocks or to uh, stretch or to run a distance, you would find uh, an appropriate club of like-minded people who could help you in that journey. What if the church was that club for emotional health? What if G2, what if the church in general was the club that you came to because it was known therein was emotional health? That churches were known for their emotional healthness. And that people came to benefit from it because it was a place where we were excellent at discovering and improving in that. That in the same way that you might go to the gym to build your muscles or you might join a running club to stretch your legs and to be faster, people knew if you wanted emotional strength, emotional endurance, emotional velocity that you joined the church because the church was the place that could help you with that. And so I think of this series as basically the church in training for health. Just like if you joined a gym and you were shown five sets of weights that you might lift and if you work at them week by week and day by day then after a short amount of time, you will be bigger and stronger and faster. And people will stop you in the corridor and say, oh, you look ripped, or, you know, how healthy do you look? What if we applied ourselves to these five exercise regimes, and through it, we gained emotional health? Not just for our benefit, but also for the benefit of others that it can be shared with. Well, the way into the subject today is in the idea of Um, endurance, and I've got some pictures that come up on the screen. Uh, I asked Google for some examples of the idea of endurance. Uh, And the first one is this fella, uh, no prizes for guessing, it's Sir Winston Churchill. Okay, he's the Prime Minister that led the nation through the Second World War. He led the nation through a time when it had to endure. And he led the nation through times of hardship and suffering. And some of you may know the commonly told story that uh, years after he was Prime Minister, he returned to his old school, um, Harrow, and he was asked to give a motivational speech to the boys at an all-boys school. And his speech began famously by him saying, never give up. Never give up. 
never give up. He was a man who had learnt the power of enduring. The next picture. Uh, anyone know who he is? Okay. Uh, I didn't know who he was either. His name is Sergei Girard. And he's from the dark and elite world of ultra runners. And for Sergei, uh, going out and running 100 miles in one go would be a training run. For example, in 2009, he ran 27,000 miles. He ran every day, so do the sums in your head. He ran a lot. He is a guy where running is concerned, he knows how to endure. In fact, somebody said about him, Sergei makes Forrest Gump look like a kid chasing a ball. He is an endurance guy. Okay, let's have a next slide. Anyone know who this is? Yeah, Mala Yousafzai. And she's uh, from Pakistan. And she is a young girl who has endured with the idea that girls should be educated as well as boys. And she lived in a community where um, basically boys got school education and girls did not. And at a young age she started blogging about it. At age 11 she was on a bus going to school and a man with a gun said, girls do not need to be educated, get off. She refused to get off and she was shot in the head. Uh, it was a famous thing. She was, received medical uh, attention and uh, has since then been an icon for enduring in this idea that something should change in her country so that girls as well as boys receive an education. She received a Nobel Peace Prize for enduring and suffering for her cause. Three times she's been named in uh, the Times magazine 100 most influential people because of her personal struggle because she was severely injured by being shot in the head as you can imagine and also her endurance for the subject that she believes in, girls' education. Uh, one more, we're whizzing on. Anyone guess what this, this is? Yeah, uh, so it's the Capiapo Chilean Miners. And a few years ago, uh, these guys, uh, um, 33 men, were trapped underground because uh, the, the entrance to their mine collapsed. They were trapped 700 metres below the ground and five kilometres away from uh, where the, the access was. They didn't even know if they were alive. They, they drilled this drill down and, and one of them taped a note on the drill bit that said, 33 alive and in good spirits and then proceeded a, a, an almost global, international rescue for them. Um, not only did they have to endure under the ground for 69 days before they were rescued, and for the first part of it, not even knowing if anyone would know that they were alive and that they were to be rescued, but those trying to rescue them uh, had four failed plans and attempts to get to them before the fifth one worked. And apparently all the oil rig companies helped them and NASA got involved and eventually they, they did this tunnel and made this cage whereby they could lift them up. And uh, one more I think. Okay, anyone know who these guys are that have been in the news recently? I was listening to an interview with one of them uh, on Radio 4 this week in the car. These are two famous guys sailing a yacht. Uh, they're both in their 70s. It's Bob Weiss and Steve Shapiro. 
Uh, one of them has been a sailor all of his life, apparently. Um, the other one is famous for being a pilot in Vietnam, and he's like great at flying planes. I don't know if he's any good at yachts. Um, but they have famously had to be... They're on this, this epic journey. They're going from Norway to America. Um, they've been doing it for seven months, and they've got as far as Cornwall. And already the UK lifeboat uh, crews have had to rescue them nine times. That's just the UK. I was, I, was, I was checking on the research. France has also rescued them. Belgium has also had to rescue them a few times. They've had a lot of rescuing on their epic journey that hasn't actually gone that far. And here are some of the reasons why they needed rescuing. The first one, apparently they got lost. Uh, uh, the next one, they had a flat battery. I mean, I've had it in a car, but... I guess in a yacht it's a different thing. Uh, they ran aground and needed towing off it. Uh, they needed rescuing one time because they felt unwell. And then the most recent one that hit the news, uh, they needed rescuing because uh, a candle tipped over when the boat rocked and there was a fire on board. And the guy in the interview said, uh, yes, I admit that I had failed to properly put the candle out. And then they followed a very amusing discussion about why were they even using candles and was somebody who couldn't properly put a candle out be fit to let you loose uh, in this yacht. Okay, so we're thinking about endurance. I'm going to pause for a minute and talk at our tables. And the question that I want you to talk about at your table is, what have you endured? Now, it might be a real hardship that you don't want to share, but you, you probably have something that you can share. Was it a long way at the supermarket behind a queue? Was it an everlasting car journey? Did you sign up to do some ridiculous distance race? Or maybe you've climbed Everest, or you've been married an incredible amount of time, or uh, you've had an everlasting set of exams. Whatever it may be, you've got two minutes just to chat at your tables. What have you endured? Off you go. Okay. Great stories uh, you've shared at the end. So today we're talking about insurance. Uh, endurance. Oh my word, what am I thinking about? Endurance. Uh, and on the banner it says, a mentally healthy church makes suffering okay. So this idea of enduring through times that are difficult, through things that are hard. Let's just put it out there straight away. Uh, nobody likes to suffer. It's not normal to want to suffer. You know, if, if the person that you're sat next to you just sort of turns to you and says, hey, you couldn't do me a favour, could you? Could you just punch me in the face really, really hard a few times? Like, if they said that, I'm not saying they're going to, but if the person next to you said that, that wouldn't really be normal, would it? Because there's something natural built into us as people that we don't, we don't covet pain or suffering. Uh, some of it's very deeply rooted into identity. So it might be that you're afraid of spiders or of, of, of heights or of eating red berries. These are all natural things that actually are about keeping you safe. Um, like the story of the parent who had a naughty child and he says to the child's son, um, I need to punish you and this is going to hurt you, hurt me more than it hurts you. And the little boy says back to his father, oh daddy, please don't hurt yourself. You know, suffering is not something we're naturally 
tuned to go after. And as Christians also, we're not promised an outlet from suffering. We're not told, uh, of course, if you are a Christian and you trust in Jesus, suffering will just go away. Actually, the things of life are common to all people, whether it's a physical illness, whether it is a mental health challenge, whether it is things that can make us worry or anxious in life, disappointments, hard knocks, blows, and the pain of human relationships, just to name a few things, all these things come our way. And it may be you've had harder times than others or easier times than others, but none of us are exempt from hard times, from things that we would call suffering. And as the statement says on the banner, an emotionally healthy church makes suffering okay. Firstly, I think that part, that means that it's something we can talk about, we can engage with. It's something that we can think about. It's not an unspoken thing. And that's because in our world, there is a mass of suffering. There's poverty and injustice and crime. And it's not right to close our eyes to that, even though it might be painful. It's the right thing to say, I see that, and I want to engage with that in order to be part of this world in a way that I can alleviate suffering or be on the, on the team that's helping to make that less of that happening. Suffering is philosophically an expression of our separation from God. And so the overview theme of the Bible from beginning to end, that this is a story of redemption from a, from a perfect relationship with God, broken, from a humanity adrift and separated from relationship with God, and then a reconciliation that's happening through Jesus that's bringing us back to God. And as we heard last week through the idea of hope, not necessarily fulfilled in this life, but fulfilled ultimately by God bringing all things together. And thirdly, we associate, we can connect with suffering because Jesus Christ, our saviour, our hero, our role model, identified himself with suffering. Here's what Hebrews 12 says. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the pain of the cross, despising its shame, so that he might sit down at the right hand of the Father. And as hero types go, Jesus is a weak one. Because certainly in his time, and even in our time, if you wanted to raise up a hero, you would raise up somebody strong and powerful. You'd pick a guy with a gun or somebody that won the battle, somebody that triumphed in an obvious way over the calamities that were set before them. Yet Jesus embraced and identified with suffering and it becomes a core of understanding what it means to follow God. That our saviour embraced suffering because it's common to all of us and he can identify with our suffering because he is acquainted with it himself. He is a suffering saviour, the one that we put our trust in.
And just as we heard last week, hope is this idea of looking forward. Hope is an idea that jumps from present circumstances and imagines a future based on the promises that have been given. Whether that's the promises of God or the promises of the situation that we're in. But this idea of enduring in suffering isn't to escape from suffering, whatever it is that we may be in, but is actually to accept and own it. And then ask the question, what is God doing in this? Not why is God doing this to me? This is happening because it's happening. And that's almost a separate discussion. It's common to humanity, or I made a mistake, or somebody did something to me, or it was just bad, bad circumstances. But in the midst of whatever that is, to ask the powerful question, what could God help me to learn through this? A few years ago, I read a book, and it was written by a guy called James, it was written about a guy called James Stockdale, who was an American uh, pilot. He was shot down during the Vietnam War, and he was held as a prisoner of war for seven years. His, his story is incredibly hard, and it's, and it's absolutely inspiring, the story of how he endured that time of suffering, how he, how he processed it, and what it did for the rest of his life. One of the things, he's, he was asked the question, who didn't make it? mentally or, or you know, in terms of just life, who didn't make it as a prisoner of war? And he said, that's easy, the optimists. The ones that just put their hope in, I think this will be over soon. Maybe by Christmas we'll be out. Maybe after six months we'll be free. It can't be much longer and then I'll escape this situation. He said, those are the ones that broke quickly. And then this is the killer quote that I read in the book. He said this, um, I chose... To never doubt that I would not only get out, but would prevail, and in the end, turn this experience into a determining event in my life that, in retrospect, I would never change. He is a man who understood how to endure in suffering. And so there's this idea of suffering usefully. That um, even in the midst of pain, there can be a gain. That's not to say the suffering's good. That's, that's different. This is, to, this is to be able to say the suffering is bad, but God is good and he is with me in the midst of this. And through this, God can even walk with me so that in the future I may look back and know that I gained something from this. It might be a runner on a treadmill and they're, they, you know, they're feeling their heart, their legs are giving out, maybe even they're, they're bored. Uh, but they can, they can know that there is a benefit that comes from the thing that they're doing. Or it might be the revision you're doing, and it's doing your head in, your head's going to explode, you feel like you're going to go mad, you've just got all those cards written out, the things you're trying to memorise, but you know there's a benefit that's coming from it. Trivial examples of this idea of how we can suffer usefully. And an emotionally healthy church makes suffering okay 
Because endurance is the art of suffering usefully. And it asks this question, what am I gaining or learning from my current pain? And we can say that because our Saviour suffered for a purpose. So the faith we live is characterised by our Saviour who suffered. He dignified suffering. He made suffering not something that diminishes who we are, but something that, if discovered through God, can help us discover more of who we've been called to be. James um, 1 verse 3 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Just one of a number of verses that remind us that the truth of following Jesus embraces the ways in which God can be acquainted with us in our sufferings. Trivial and enormous. And how, by inviting him into that, that there can be no lost pain through that. That maybe in the future we can look back and see the positives that have been brought to us through that situation. It's distinct from optimism or even hope, which is to escape, to, to get out of that situation. It's, it's that quality that's able to say, this is something that's happening to me, but God is in this situation with me, walking alongside with me. We're going to end, and partly the end of this is that we can have further discussion, but what I want us to do is just imagine one thing, and um, I don't think it will work as a discussion, so it may be helpful even if you want to just uh, close your eyes for a few minutes or just settle into your own space. And I just want you to ponder one thing. And it might be something that you think through during the rest of the week. And it's a simple question and it's, it'll come up on the slide. In the face of suffering, this is you, you're, you're going to think of something. Pain, guilt, failure, maybe even your sin. The question is, what are you learning or what's the diamond in the sack of coal? One of the things I've learnt in life is that often those who've been through something are the best at helping others through it. Often the most effective um, relationship counsellors are those that have been through a divorce. Often those that can uh, make most headway with the homeless are those who once were themselves. Often those who make great counsellors and, and uh, helpers to those who have an addiction are someone who's known that for themselves. There's something incredibly powerful about the way in which we can learn through a situation that may actually then become, in a beautiful way, part of who we are, that it might make us stronger. So I'd like you just to pick something now. Some way in which you're, it may be just a trivial example that's happened this week. It might be that you were queuing in the supermarket and like me you are getting really cross about the delay. Or it might, have been, it might be something dreadful that's happened. What are you learning? 
And what's the diamond in that sack of coal? 